I'm sat with Kate Woods, who is the founder of Conscious Birthing Doulas, who I trained with back in 2017. Um, and since I trained with Kate, um, she has launched a organisation called Doulas Without Borders, which is again why, which has brought us together. Um, again, I'm coming down to do some training with Kate. So, Kate, thank you for joining me. Hi. Um, let's start with what is doulas without borders how would you explain that to someone Mm. as an organization so it's um an organization that has been put in place to provide accessible care for women who are experiencing vulnerability and financial hardship yeah um who might not otherwise even know about the service let alone be able to access it yeah yeah okay um and what what drew you to create Doulas Without Borders? So obviously you've been working as a birth doula for a very long time um, and you train do, you train women to become doulas mm. um, and you've attended how many births? Like hundreds? Many, many. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what led you to the point where you thought actually this needs to be made accessible for, for mm. you know, for people that wouldn't necessarily know that this yeah. that this support is out there because I think a lot of women that a lot of women don't know it's out there regardless yeah. of their situation actually yeah. you know it's um I didn't hear about doulas until it was Claire Madalena from Lush Tums on my pregnancy mm. yoga teacher training she was like oh and I'm a doula and I was just like I had an aha moment where I was like well that would have been amazing for me if, you mm. know when I gave birth so what um I've forgotten my question now <laughs> What led you to that point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was kind of a slow burner over the last 25 years, really. Um, When I started attending births, it it happened quite organically. I didn't sort of go and train as a doula and then start attending births. I just fell into it in my community um, and discovered that it was something I felt very comfortable and able to do as well as it brought me a lot of joy. So that was the kind of route in. And then over time, I think what's happened um, in some ways in the media is that, um, and, you know, yeah, in many ways, um, doulas have started to be seen as a, a, a kind of a luxury yeah. extra, yeah. if you like, rather than something fundamentally needed in a birth room or someone fundamentally yeah. needed. Um, and... So I felt really strongly about wanting to bring more inclusivity and awareness uh, in. And also, um, having trained hundreds of of women, I don't like the word trained, having educated hundreds of women, um, I've noticed over time, and perhaps it's something to do with the particular kind of um, flavour of of the training that I offer, I was uh, meeting lots of women who were kind of very socially active and very... um, up for creating a revolution yeah, <laughs> in birth yeah, yeah. care. I think you definitely <clears throat> attract that kind of woman because that's who you are, you know, like, you, yeah, definitely. So I, I felt that it, it was a kind of a hard moment, really, where I recognised that there was an untapped resource in the doula community, yeah. hundreds of doulas who were all, not all, but many, up for offering a small amount of their time or yeah. a bit more of their time to do something voluntary. Yeah. Um, and the need was growing. Yeah. The crisis was getting greater and greater. Yeah. So, so it was a very kind of real um, 
scenario. I mean, I say there was an aha moment, but there was also a, a rumbling um, background there of, of phone calls, emails, WhatsApp, texts, many different communications from people who are working in healthcare saying to me, do you know where I can find a doula? I, I, you know, I'm, I'm working with a woman who's just been um, moved by the Home Office from one part of the UK to yeah. another. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... And now suddenly she's without any support. Yeah. Do you know a doula there who might be able to help? There's no money in it. And so, uh, and she also needs a size seven shoes and a raincoat mm, and a measures yeah. basket. What can you do? And so I would put, get my head down, get into social media, get into my contacts and very quickly manifest exactly what was needed. Yeah. And I thought, wow, hang on a minute. If I can do this for one, I can do this for many. This is just an equation that needs to grow. Yeah. So what about setting up? Um, because I've noticed as well that people with all the goodwill in the world, they like form. They like to be held in a structure. Yeah. So just calling on voluntary yeah, people absolutely. to do something voluntary yeah. was like, oh, okay, well, how does it work? And it's yeah. like, well, okay, how do you want it to work? Yeah. So Doers Without Borders was um, almost, uh, it was almost a response. Well, it was. It, it was entirely a response to that awareness of, of the untapped resource of, of doulas and the, the growing need of women in all sorts of different traumas and uh, financial hardships yeah yeah I think um I Mary so I'm just to give this some context what I'm going to say I'm currently on a training with Kate um uh, trauma-informed birth education um and Mary who is is co-teaching with Kate for this weekend said yesterday about that you were saying about the displacement of um you know a pregnant woman yeah yeah yeah. um and none of us the students in the room yesterday had heard of this and then I I was my mum picked me up and I was going home with her and I was saying I was like I can't believe this is actually this has been brought in so would you be able to definitely more eloquently than I can just bring a kind of overview of what that looks like that you know the no the the you know yeah 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 so how what happened what is that so it's basically when a woman gets moved very quickly from one location to another in the UK when she's pregnant um, and often without her partner. And she's here seeking asylum. She, so she's here seeking asylum. Yeah. Um, and there's very little time given. So she'll um, sometimes already be in touch with a bunch of services in the area that she's in. Um, and then she'll get told that she has to move to another part of the country and it will often be very um, inappropriate where, you know, we've we've worked with women who have been, you know, devout Muslims who have been put on top of really noisy pubs and things like that. So it's really challenging culturally um, in many ways, often, um, and they have potentially lost all of the services that they've picked up with. So that entire support network. Entire, entire support networks are gone, and, and oftentimes the woman hasn't got English as her first language. And it's intentional. Yes. It's an intentional practice yes. that our government are doing. Yes. Um, and the, there's been reports of the rise of maternal and neonatal deaths that are linked to a lack of continuity of care. Yes. Right? So these women are or at higher risk of dying yes. during childbirth. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's it's putting the stats up again yeah. continuously. We're, yeah. we're, you know, on one level saying that we're trying to change the face of neonatal and maternal yeah. deaths. Yeah. And on the other hand, doing all sorts of really, really unhelpful and actually even dangerous practices yeah. that put up the, the, the stats quite a lot. So, yeah. 
Yeah, it's a mess. And what you're creating, or what has been created, you know, and is ongoing and expanding with Doulas Without Borders, is essentially a network of women, or of birth workers, right, all over the UK, and eventually internationally. So at the moment, yes, we're in the UK. There's 217 of us today. Um, and I say today because it's going up almost daily at the moment. We've just opened the doors for midwives. So we've got um, midwives joining us too. Amazing. Um, we're running uh, Mums Without Borders as a yeah. sort of pregnancy through postpartum drop-in to help with things like social inclusion, being able to network, being able to find your resources, um, eventually we'll have some language support in there too yeah. so and there's a, a infant feeding peer supporters Great, yeah. so there's a whole kind of yeah whole team and yes we're um we're just at a point now where we're starting to open the doors around europe and uh france and spain seem to be sort of our first couple of countries yeah. that are coming on board but we've got a massive list of people in the states waiting to join wow in different countries in Africa. So it, yeah. it will be international. We needed first to get very clear about our own guidelines and yeah. terms and conditions and policies and whatnot, because as, as I say, that's you know what makes everybody feel safe. So we've got yeah. a very strong, robust policy now. Um, and so that's allowing us to, to open the doors in a particular way. Um, although, of course, each country will have to have its own yeah. take because yeah, yeah, they all yeah. have different protocols and whatnot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's important because the nature of that work is um, possibly as a birth worker, you're going, you're, you're going into a situation which you're probably not used to being into and working with women that are experiencing hard times. Mm. So you, there has to be an element of safeguarding Completely, you know, there does, yeah. yeah, for all of us, yeah, you know, for for yeah. the woman, for her family, for you, yeah. Um, so no, I mean that's that's been sort of square one really was to just get the organisation, the yeah. structural, the infrastructure running in yeah. a particular way. Um, it's growing quite quickly. It was, it was launched in two thousand eighteen, right? Exponential, I think is the word. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it yeah. just goes to show the need for it, though. The need is great, yeah. definitely. I mean, one of the things that we're working really diligently on is raising awareness because um, there are parts of the country where we have volunteers uh, who aren't getting any referrals. Okay. So really, really making sure that the, the healthcare professionals, the social workers, the people surrounding the woman in vulnerability um, are aware of us. Yeah. So they can signpost on and refer on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's taking its time. Yeah. Um, Do you find that... Um, the services are kind of welcome it with open arms because it's more support, right, for them where, where they can't necessarily help. 100%, yeah. yeah. We, we've had such amazing feedback. Um, we've connected with Social Workers Without Borders um, and other organisations, many other organisations. We've now got our own, um, well, I say our own, I wrote a piece for the National Association for People Abused in Childhood, for NAPAC, um, and we're up on their website. I live in Somerset, so... I've been in touch with SASAS, which is the um, Somerset uh, um, uh, Sexual Abuse and Rape Services. Yeah. Um, and we've now got a connection there. So if a woman is... Because what we've discovered, what I've discovered big time, is that 
you know, there are many organisations to support people going through um, crises around sexual and domestic violence and abuse. Well, many, there could always be more, but there, there's a, a robust network across the UK. Yeah. But when you talk to any one of those organisations about what they offer for women in the childbearing year, they have uh, no idea. Yeah. There's yeah, a, yeah, a huge gap. Yeah. So I've been slowly going around and presenting to different organisations and, and then we get a connection in and we have a link. But yeah. obviously that's a huge task. It's mountainous because there's a lot of different um, organisations. Yeah. So it's it's about joining up the dots yeah. as much as anything now. Yeah, that's what I've kind of got in my head, that image of just trying to create a web. Yes. So that there's that continuity of support wherever people are. Exactly. And yeah. we need, it, we, we need. I envisage and intend to help that um, conversation to be happening in, in a multi-agency way. So not just the, the midwife who knows, but also, as I say, you know, somebody who works with um, women who are survivors of domestic violence, who happen to be pregnant, yeah. people who work in refuges, people who work in YMCA's. Yeah. Yeah. So that it's really kind of doers without borders is... um. Is, is just a household name, yeah. in a way, for, yeah. for support for women in the childbearing year. Yeah, yeah. We'll get there. Yeah, no, you will, definitely. I mean, it's incredible how much it's expanded over the past 18 months. Yeah. Um. So with the training that we're doing this weekend, mm-hmm. trauma-informed birth education, how... Well, first off, what made you... Why do you feel this training is important? I mean, obviously, I know because I'm sat in it <laughs> and it's um, completely blew my lid off, to be honest. And it's incredibly inspiring being with a group of birth workers that are all wanting to make a difference and uh, are up for not sort of taking it on. That's not the right term, but it's uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, like we reading case studies and reading reports. Um, and to be honest, that Home Office report, that's like the tip of the iceberg with some of the yeah. stuff that we were looking at yesterday yeah. from the point of how, how it makes you feel emotionally or triggered. And and um, why is so this training that we're doing now, why is it why is that come about? How how is this kind of because I feel that it's it's giving us tools to then work with doulas without borders, and it's, yeah. you know, so that we can appropriately place ourselves and um but actually, I think it's almost uh, this training is so valuable for people that just work in birth. Yeah. Not even yeah, with yeah. Doulas Without Borders. Yeah. It, you know, when you look at the statistics of what's going on, it actually just should be like a must. <laughs> mm. So how how did this come about? So it's interesting. That's a big question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, it's um it's an interesting one for me because um I recognise that too, and actually. Uh, there is a, a, a one-day version of this for healthcare providers working in the maternal year. Okay. So, um, and actually, it's just become something that I've started just offering. So alongside um, and very much through Doulas Without Borders, bizarrely, something else was born. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and so it goes on. Yeah. Um, but trauma-informed education really, really sort of spoke to me th- through this work. Um, and so I've now been doing that alongside and through so the reason that I feel really strongly about it is because I've been working in birth for over two decades and I've been witnessing the conversation breaking down between women in pregnancy and labour and birth postnatally and healthcare providers yeah 
um, time and time and time again. And we, as birth workers, have become aware very clearly over time of the problems with um, four women who have been through birth trauma yeah and then are having to have another baby um and all that that brings yeah. so all of the misuse of language yeah all of the inability to fully listen to one another yeah there's no blame in this no we all do it we yeah. could all up our skills this is this is what we were saying yesterday right is that the most well-intentioned yes um a uh, pat on the back or good girl sweetheart good girl yeah we got into that one yesterday yeah Th- that could potentially triggers a woman that's experienced trauma right back to her to the traumatic to event. the traumatic event and and then yeah. she's in that place again but actually laboring yeah well, you know it's, yeah it's so massive but also yes. so unconscious yes and not necessarily coming from a bad place so no. i think it's really important to underpin everything that when we talk about trauma-informed and aware practice um we start off by um being very clear not to do us and them we're all in this together. We're yeah. all one big, massive human family. And, <laughs> you know, it's not about yeah. that. Yeah. But, and, we need to upskill all of us around our language use, our listening skills. We need to sharpen our listening skills. I think as we get faster, um, which we definitely have as, yeah. a, as a people, with the amount of technology and the amount of expectation, we're all going super fast. We're not listening very well and we're getting careless with our use of language. Yeah. Um, also, this whole kind of hierarchy that exists within the birth world can really play into um, to a woman feeling uh, hugely traumatised by her experience. I mean, if you think about hierarchy of birth, yeah, where do you put the consultant and where do you put the labouring woman? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay. no, absolutely. Without I going mean, any further. So, so for, for people that um, are listening that haven't been present at a birth or worked in a birthing environment, let's ring through, maybe not in a hierarchical point of view, but ring through the amount of uh, people that could be present in a birthing environment. Okay, gosh. Just to, so that people have an idea of, and then I mean, get, they can play like dot to dot at home and figure out who's at the top and who's at the bottom in our current healthcare system, but... Well, I think we all know it, don't we? From like, even if you think about it, when you um, go to see a consultant because you've bashed your knee in, yeah. you know, where do you put yourself and where do you put the consultant? It's something that we've done. It's it's a systemic yeah situation, and it means that people can feel very easily disempowered. Yeah, um, there are we many hand people. Over our power. Yeah, we do. Yeah, I mean, it's not always that it's just taken. It's yeah. it's a whole it's a dialogue. It's a dialogue. Yeah, sometimes yeah. it's totally stripped yeah. and sometimes it's given yeah. and it might be given. And this is where I think I can answer your question about trauma-informed practice. It's given often because the woman is already in such great trauma that she's disassociated. She's not She's not sovereign in her body. Yeah. She's not inhabiting her body in a way that would enable her to even start to consider her choices yeah because she's been through such trauma that she has disassociated she's yeah. in she's in freeze um so one of so to answer both of your questions hopefully in one <laughs> go without going on too long um trauma-informed and aware practice is about helping to raise the awareness of the levels of trauma that can be in any one scenario, let alone in the birth room. So in the birth room, you could, for example, in worst case scenario, just to illustrate it, have um, a labouring woman in um, trauma. And she's in trauma because she's 
come through one hell of a situation in her story previously. So she's been raped, for example. Yeah. Or she's got birth trauma that she's experienced before. Yeah that's being triggered right now yeah. or she's just actually experiencing trauma right now the trauma's happening as we speak yeah so that's her trauma then there's potentially a midwife there's always going to be a midwife attending yeah um often two at that point let's say she's birthing yeah um and in that moment oftentimes what what i've experienced and i'm certainly not alone is that the midwives in attendance are way overworked yeah they're completely exhausted yeah they're carrying an enormous amount of trauma themselves yeah and they haven't had a chance to debrief it yeah yeah so yeah. that impacts on their expectations which affects the dialogue yeah. that's going on between them yeah so then beyond that you might have a consultant that's popped in and that consultant is holding a huge amount of um of trauma potentially because they're there to deal with when things get a bit difficult yeah 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 so and then there's the the trauma that exists within the nhs itself so there's an organizational trauma that is is the structure that is meant to be in support of the woman who is laboring so basically we've got an enormous amount of trauma going on here that's being unaddressed conversations are not being had about it so the constellation of people around the laboring woman whether it's at home or at hospital or in a refuge or anywhere actually generally speaking it won't be in a refuge by the way but wherever you put that laboring woman the constellation of people around her are bringing in their own traumas yeah and so the conversation if you like or the dialogue or the way in which we support is more and more muddied by our own experiences yeah, yeah. so trauma-informed aware pra- and aware practice i've st- has been born as a result of that it's an invitation for all of us to consider the ways in which trauma impact trauma impacts on us what we're carrying what we bring into a birth yeah um, yeah and how we can start to change the conversation yeah yeah it's so important it's um it's so important it makes me really emotional when we when we talk about it because it's you can you see it happening or you hear it happening and you know I've I've heard of a midwife that's been in one room on shift bad outcome for baby and then had to go straight into the room next door because she's got another mum delivering yes and it's that is I mean it's just how can you I couldn't even comprehend being able to switch um you know flick a switch to then just step next door and be present and empty my bowl and and support the woman that's in front of me yeah when you've experienced that Mm. and if you you know we think about trauma or I've certainly thought about trauma from the birthing laboring woman's point of view that she has experienced trauma but actually as you've said like it ricochets there's so many different levels and our healthcare system is actually just putting out fires it's not a healthcare system it is putting out fires right it isn't there to provide support it's there to provide a fix just when something goes wrong yeah yeah, exactly and I feel really strongly you know about how in the birth world as well as many other uh you know sectors of, of of society I'm seeing more and more of this kind of pendulous swinging of them and us, black and white, left and right, baddies and goodies. It's like living in a bloody Marvel comic or something, you know. And it's all like, well, it's all them. Yeah. And, you know, and, and we do it as well in the birth world loads. It's like, oh, well, it's 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 the healthcare professionals. Yes. It's yeah, the yeah, midwives. Yeah. The midwives just talk horribly to the women. Yeah. And then you, you see it from the other way as well. Like, you know, you can be present at a birth and 
feel that yeah um, absolutely you're a doula it's the you doulas. shouldn't be here yeah you're a problem yes and it's it ultimately right we've all gone into the profession that you're in to support to birthing. exactly yeah 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 but we're losing that because we're also full of trauma and yeah. that's what i see more and more you know so the doulas get sometimes shortchanged by the midwives because the midwives i think often see the doulas as um oh my gosh, you know, that that's the job I wanted. wanted that's the vocational to, spark, yeah. alive yeah, yeah, yeah. and well, thanks very much. And I'm yeah. stuck with a load of paperwork and machines that go ping. Mm-hmm. How did that happen? Mm. You know, I want to be doing a bit more of that. She's with woman. I don't get to be with a woman. Yeah. And, of course, that's the, you know, translation of, of you know, the, the word midwife is with woman. Yeah. And actually doulas are w- with women more than midwives in a way. Yeah. And that's, I think, frustrating for a lot of midwives. Yeah. So that can bring a bit of crunchiness. Yeah. And then there's, you know, and it, so it goes on and then the midwives can have that with the consultants. The hierarchical, yeah. And it's just like, hang on a minute, we're yeah. supposed to be offering support. What does support actually look like with this amount of trauma? Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a messy constellation. Yeah. And so to me offering trauma-informed education to birth workers yeah. is it's an invitation it's a compassionate invitation to come to the table and have a conversation as equals as humans yeah drop the labels yeah. and the name badges yeah, at the yeah. door yeah and talk about how we're doing yeah how, how can we improve our practices yeah how can we self-care better actually yeah um, how can we work collaboratively with our clients yeah. and drop the idea that we need to be experts yes. and they need yeah. to be, you know, informed by us? Because yeah. then again, we've dropped into hierarchy. Yeah. I loved that what you said yesterday that your um, that your birthing woman or mum to be, she is the expert. We're there to learn and to be guided by her. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I love that. 25 years in, and I'm still a student. I mean, yeah. you know, the minute that I call myself an expert you can hang my hat up for me if I hear (laughs) me say it, take my hat away. Yeah, I think it's really important that we don't do that because in a way there's something really, really fundamentally unique about the role of the doula because all of the other people in the constellation of birth, if you like, in that room, I mean, obviously the partner might be there too, but looking at the the healthcare professionals or the supporters are all in an institution Mm -hmm. and we come as freelancers if you like yeah we are free of the need to be part of a hierarchy yeah and that gives us although we are kind of like way down in the sort of servant bottom end if you like which we choose to be yeah the other side of it is that we have absolute freedom to see the story from one end to the other yeah and we're the only people that work with birth that see a woman through pregnancy yeah. all the way through labor birth and postnatal yeah yeah so it's quite unique that we yeah. have that role and i think we've got a lot to offer because we can come back to the table and talk with the healthcare professionals once we drop the idea that anyone's better than They're anyone else us. who's had the most amount of training who's yeah. got the degrees yeah and just come back to a place of humanity yes so i guess that's a, lacking yeah. so much isn't yeah. it that place of humanity yeah yeah, I think that's what's um, what I've really enjoyed about being on the trainings that I've done with you is that I'm sat in a room with midwives, with um, doulas, with a perinatal psychologist. And it's like, well, we're all together because we all have the same want 
to support and to be of service. Yes. And there isn't a hierarchy. No. Um, and we can learn from each other. Yeah. And it's just, that's magic. It's, it's um, so rich, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's so just rich. It's so wonderful to sit in that, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really great. It's funny, I just had this um, article, um, it's just about to be published in the um, Practicing Midwife Journal online. Yeah. And... Um, the the thing that I've used as a sort of title is a, a grassroots solution to a systemic crisis. And I think that it's funny how even the term grassroots can divide people because they say, oh, well, no, I'm professional. Then, I'm not grassroots. Yes. That's the grassroots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, no, no, we are all grassroots, yeah. actually. You know, yeah. you're in a human body <laughs> yeah. and you're a person and you go home at the end of the day, just like me, you know. Yeah. And so... The sooner we can start to have those conversations, the better, because we've all got so much to offer. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, it's such a rich learning environment when you can leave the label at the door. Yeah. It's breaking down those borders, right, as well. Exactly that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Without, we could just without, without borders. Just without borders. Yeah, yeah there we go. <laughs> yeah. I think it's brilliant. It's, yeah, it's such important work that's being had, especially in the light of our current healthcare system and how women are experiencing trauma in the birthing room and, and beyond, you know, it's just, it's so valuable. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's the, the kind of, the fundamental thing about it really is that to support a woman who's in crisis and comes from trauma and doesn't have much support or money or anything around her into a collaborative relationship yeah. where she starts to get empowered through learning her own choices and starting to recognize her own strengths yeah and we can just facilitate that empowerment we're not taking the role for her yeah 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 then she starts to to recover in a particular way the baby in utero starts to have a bit more of a chance in life everything changes because we know full well that this crisis yeah if a woman in pregnancy is is disassociated and not connected and not supported and full of adrenaline, yeah. that baby is going to be born into a really yeah. difficult start. Yeah. And actually, that goes on transgenerationally, there's an effect. Yeah. Um, and so the tiny little bit that we're doing to help change society is is fundamental, actually. Yeah. We can make a difference to the future it's, with our service. Yeah. Um, it's going to outlive us. It's going to outlive us. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we know that from epigenetics. Yeah. There's, you know, it's, it's three generations will be affected in in both directions. Then, so it's yeah. huge. Yeah, it's a huge impact. Yeah, and it's you know so desperately needed for women in vulnerability who are in a place of fight or flight or disassociation, and those babies are being born. The bonding and attachment isn't happening. Yeah, because you know they've not been given. The mums haven't been given a chance to, yeah. to to even consider. They're just in a state of trauma. So yeah, it's yeah. survival. Isn't yeah, it? it's exactly. A state of survival, not not living and, and being present. It's just surviving. And so having that companionship, I think someone coming in, and the difference as well with doula. You know, we haven't got a, a name badge. We don't yeah. represent an institution yeah, that makes a woman go. Yeah, authority. And for a lot of asylum seekers, you know, and refugees, they don't feel necessarily that comfortable talking to someone who represents a healthcare authority because they're scared that that's going to impact on the outcome of their application. Yeah. So, and then there's cultural stuff around it as well. Yeah. But do look, and it's just like a mate, you know, we're just like, we're companions that have a bit of information. Yeah. We draw the line, obviously, you know, we're not friends, but we 
present that in a way. It's yeah. companionship. Yeah. In yeah. times of need. Yeah. And to have an educated companion alongside you at a time when you're really vulnerable can actually change several lives. Yeah. 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 It's amazing. Um. Okay. So I think we are running out of time. But where can people find Dealers Without Borders? What's the address, Instagram, online? Yep, so uh, we're at www.doulaswithoutborders.com. We have a Doulas Without Borders uh, public page on Facebook that is actually called that. Okay, great. (laughs) And then there's a private group uh, that people can apply to if they are birth workers and they would like to join to volunteer. great. Um, also on Doulas Without Borders, the website, there's a, um, you know, work with us and an application form there. Um, we're Doulas, capital W, capital O, Borders on Twitter and Doulas Without Borders on Instagram. Amazing. We're everywhere. We're everywhere. <laughs> Just, well, that's exactly where we should be, right? Exactly. Everywhere. 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 <laughs> cool. Thank you so much for speaking with me. Oh, you're very welcome.